Open your Bibles to Zechariah chapter 14. Caleb, when I'm doing that, you, I'm going through name after name. Nah, that doesn't fit. That doesn't fit. That doesn't fit. Zechariah chapter 14. Look at verse 4. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. Sarah, Sarah, Sabrina, this is my name situation. It's just terrible. Sabrina Bradshaw said that I have to have pictures with all of my sermons now. His feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. Lord, please help us as we study your word tonight. And Lord, people have a lot of things on their minds, a lot of things going on. But just for a few minutes, let's, let's stand in awe at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Tom May was telling me about how my messages often correspond with his. And he had someone in his class for a little while. And he got mad because, Tom, what did he say? They thought that we were getting together to put our Sunday school lessons together, so his would agree with mine on Sunday. And uh, we just happen to have the same Bible, right? And we're teaching the same Bible. And it's so fun when you study the Bible by its words. See, if we're teaching it by its thoughts, right, then it can really become a problem. If I'm telling you what I think this passage says... But when we look at the words of Scripture and then we find out where else those words in Scripture are using, using, then we can understand what it's saying. All right, so look at what it says in verse 5. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azel. I want to tell you a couple of things about that right there. The valley of the mountains. That doesn't make sense, does it? How many of you know there's a difference between a valley and a mountain? They're not the same. That's like, this is my favorite dry water. This is my favorite full hole. A valley and a mountain. What's the valley of the mountain? That's the valley that's made out of the mountain when Jesus Christ steps on it. And it opens up. And it's interesting, that word where it says, if you look at what it says in verse 5, middle of verse 5, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azal. You, you all know what that means? No one knows. That's a, this, that's, this doesn't happen very often in Scripture where you have, it, it looks like it's talking about a place, but apparently that place has been lost to history. People don't know, and maybe there'll be a discovery, you know, that's happened through history. There'll be something that's mentioned in Scripture. You know, the illustration that I use a lot is the Hittites, Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, the Hittite. They, no one, they, there was no other record about the Hittites other than in the Bible. And then they discovered that that's because they had been destroyed and that they were a very large race. This word, nobody knows what it means. Wouldn't it be fun when we find out what that means? We don't, that we don't know. And none of the commentators that I read would claim to know. So that, that's an interesting thing. Um, I was talking this morning, if you look in verse 4 again, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof. We were talking 
in Psalm 68 about how the earth is going to shake. Look at Revelation chapter 16. Revelation chapter 16, look at verse 18. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. So think about that. So since God created Adam, there has never been an earthquake like this earthquake is going to be. That's what happens when Jesus Christ returns. How many of you think that's going to be a significant change when that kind of an earthquake takes place? It's an amazing thing. You know, we we all hear about the different fault lines that there are. I was sitting in uh, my brother. My brother had a split-level house, and so kind of the basement level was where the TV was. I was in college, and I was sitting there eating, you know, what all college students do in the middle of the day, cereal. And so I had the gallon of milk sitting on the the floor, and it's a basement floor. And I'm eating, watching TV or whatever, and I look down, and the milk's going like this inside the jug. And I did not do drugs in college. I just want you to know. This is, it's, it's going like this. There was an earthquake in Indiana, and I found out that there's a fault line that runs, you know, that, the, to the northwest part of Indiana, there's a fault line that's there. Now, we all know that there's that big fault line. Is it the San Andreas Fault that's, you know, in California? What's going to happen to all the land when that earthquake takes place? It's just going to be amazing. And I don't think it's the result of those faults. I think it's, that's the force that Jesus Christ brings when he comes back to the earth and shakes the earth. I mean, Thor's hammer or whatever is nothing compared to when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, returns to this earth. It's just such an amazing thing. Um, so this, the, the valley, it runs in an east-west direction and the mountain falls away to fill the valleys to the north and the south. So when you stand at the top of the Mount of Olives, and I showed you the pictures of that this morning, that's all going to become level. So the way that it appears is it's going to, the mountain is going to come down and the valley is going to come up. And Jesus is going to walk into Jerusalem on flat ground. Another thing that's pretty interesting how many of you have been to Israel? Would you you've been to Jerusalem? Any of you been to Jerusalem? Just so just Dr. Ree and Rania and me, that's it, right? Um I we need to do that. Like I say it all the time. Who wants to go to Israel? How many of you think we need to plan a trip to Israel? Okay, who's gonna be in charge of that? Who's gonna Maureen? You, no. We do need to plan it. We just it, we can do it if we just plan it. We need to do it. But what happens is um how many of you have heard of the seven stations of the cross, right? That's not biblical. None of that is scriptural. And if you remember, Constantine's mother, was it Catherine? Was that her name? I think they call her St. Catherine. She went to, um, she, she would have visions at these different spots. Well, that's 300 years after it happened. 
and it's just all fabricated. And so like you can, you can go and actually visit the upper room. How many of you knew that? Which is really hard because the building's like a thousand years younger than the event. It's all Catholic mysticism, you know, it's, it's not real. The other thing that's interesting is when you go to Israel, there are some spots because, you know, in AD 70, it was completely destroyed. There wasn't one stone upon another. It just completely destroyed. And then it was sacked again in 135, the, the Kokpo rebellion. And it was, it's been destroyed and built on and destroyed and built on. And so they've actually dug down to the streets that would have been there when Jesus would have walked. And it's about as far below as the, the ceiling here. Isn't that interesting? So there's a lot of just complete falsehoods about all of it. But one thing that we do know is whatever that level of the Temple Mount is now, Jesus Christ is going to walk right to it. They tried to brick up the gate. How many of you think those bricks are going to stop Jesus? Isn't that silly? You know, remember your kids, they're, they're going to stop you from walking through the door or whatever, you know, a little three-year-old. I'm going to stop you, Daddy. And then what do you do? You pretend. You know, oh, I can't get through. Oh, this is so hard. Oh. So when Jesus, when Jesus steps foot on that mountain and it splits in two, the Bible says that the sides, it doesn't just open up, that the sides fall away. Just what's that going to look like? I mean, we're talking about a 2,700-foot mountain. The sides are just going to fall away. The other thing that's interesting, we looked at it this morning from uh, Isaiah chapter, was it 31 or 34 where we looked? And then Isaiah chapter 64, how those mountains melt. They just melt. That's the power that Jesus Christ has when he comes and then he marches in. Uh, I'm, I'm developing a message and, and maybe I can bring it next week. The Bible gives us a pretty good idea of the path that Jesus Christ takes when he comes back. And so we're going to look through the scriptures, Lord willing, next week and, and track down the path that he takes. But this earthquake where everything is moved out of joint, the Bible talks about the islands being moved out. It's a pretty amazing thing. Um, now, look at verse 5. Let's go back to uh, Zechariah chapter 14. All right. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azal. Yea, ye shall flee like as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. Now, um, one of the things that I think is really interesting about this is the Bible talks about like when David was trying to flee from Jerusalem and the mountain was in the way. Not only will Jesus be able to march into the city, but the people who are under siege in the city will have an opportunity to flee away. 
Do you see that in verse 5? That's what it's talking about. So, in other words, a bridge can be used both directions, right? And so that's a, that's a pretty interesting thing. Um, I want to talk about that earthquake. Let's see. Before we do that, um, look at verse 5 again. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azel. Yea, ye shall flee like as you fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, the king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee, all the saints with thee. Look at Jude, keep, keep Zechariah, of course, but look at Jude 14. And Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these. Now, I always feel like I have to mention this. Don't let anybody tell you that's the book of Enoch. It doesn't say that Enoch wrote a book. It said he prophesied. Okay? And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. With ten thousands of his saints. Um, Keep your place there. Go to Psalm 24. Read this in our Sunday school class this morning. If you don't normally attend uh, an adult class, I really recommend that you do it. We have some great Bible studies, whether it's Tom's class or my class, the epic class if you're single. All right, so it's Psalm 24. And look at what it says in, uh, let's just start reading in verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him and that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. This is Jesus Christ coming in. To the holy mountain. We think of him going to heaven. This is Jesus Christ entering into that kingdom. And I'm sorry, that was not the cross reference to the saints passage. Um, That kind of left my mind as I was uh, saying it. But when this is talking about the saints, remember you have New Testament saints and Old Testament saints. So how do we understand what's going on at this moment? Because... The New Testament saints, that's everyone who is born again. Well, we are raptured out before any of these events happen. So the rapture takes place. We're in heaven. As we are ascending into heaven, we get our new glorified body. And so when we're with Jesus Christ in heaven for those seven years, it's wonderful because we're there without sin, without temptation, without infirmity. We have that new body, and our body is like Jesus Christ's body, the Bible says. Um, I I don't know if I've mentioned this to you, but I read one teacher 
people say, what are we going to look like when we get to heaven? Well, the Bible says we're going to be like Jesus. So are we all going to be 33-year-old men? I have no idea. But it's an interesting thought, isn't it? And so um, we're in heaven with Jesus, and the Bible says that he comes back with 10,000s of his saints to execute judgment. So when we're coming back with Jesus, we talked about flying on those horses today. When we come back with Christ, those are the saints that he's talking about. That's us. But not only us. It's also all of those Old Testament saints that had gone to paradise. And remember, when Jesus Christ was in the grave, the Bible says that he went and preached the gospel to the souls in prison. The Bible says he led captivity captive. And then by the time we get into 2 Corinthians, now paradise has been taken to heaven. So imagine you might be riding on a horse next to Abraham. How cool would that be? Next to Samson. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? That'd be awesome. So when the Bible talks about him returning with his saints, that's everyone who has received the righteousness of Christ. The Old Testament saints did it by being obedient to the light that they had. Now, how many of you have heard this? The people in the Old Testament were looking forward to the cross, and we look back to the cross. How many of you have heard that? All right, it's completely false. Completely false. They didn't know about the cross. The disciples didn't know about the cross. The disciples didn't know about the resurrection. They didn't believe in the resurrection. Otherwise, they would have been at the tomb saying, come on, Jesus, just a few more minutes. Come on out. Right? No. Where have they laid him? They've taken him. Where have they laid him? And remember, after John looked in and saw the tomb was empty, next verse says, for they knew not yet the scriptures that he must rise from the dead. They didn't understand that. They didn't get it. So they, were, they were not looking forward to the cross. But man, we certainly look back to the cross, don't we? Praise God for that. So when the Bible talks about the saints coming back with Jesus Christ, those are the Old Testament saints that had gone to paradise. They couldn't go to heaven because Jesus Christ hadn't washed their sins away yet. Once Jesus Christ's sacrifice was made, now they could go to heaven and we're going to be in heaven with them. Praise God. But we're not staying in heaven. We're coming back to the earth with Jesus Christ and we'll rule and reign with him for 1,000 years on the earth. So that's what's being spoken of with those saints. Um, all right. Now, look at verse. Let's go back to Zechariah 14. Look at verse 6. And it shall come to pass in that day. Now, notice the repetition of that day. Don't miss that. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark, that the light shall not be clear nor dark. Let's see if we can figure that out. Go to Matthew chapter 24. All right, look at verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the, power, the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. 
And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from one, I'm sorry, from the four winds, uh, from one end of heaven to the other. So these are those saints coming back to Jesus Christ, or coming back to the earth with Jesus, but the sun's darkened. There's no light at all. So the, imagine the stars are falling. The moon's not giving its light. The sun's not giving its light. Now, we understand the moon doesn't have any light of its own. It's reflecting. But this is from the earth's perspective. There's no light there at all. Look at Isaiah chapter 13. It was Ephesians 4.1, wasn't it, class, that I... Let's hold your place in Isaiah. Let me just look real quick. No. All right. Look at Isaiah chapter 13. Look at verse 9. It would have been funny if someone had said, yes, that was the verse. wouldn't have been all by myself up here. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven... And the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. How about that? It's going to be darkness. Look at the book of Joel, chapter 3. Joel chapter 3. I'm always amazed at the consistency of the language of Scripture. Joel chapter 3. Look at verse 14. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon shall be darkened, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. The Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem and the heavens and the earth shall shake, but the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. Can you imagine what that sounds like? The lion of the tribe of Judah is going to roar. My goodness. I wonder what that's going to be like, but it's going to be darkness. Look at Mark chapter 13. All right, look at verse 24. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars of heaven shall fall and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the son of man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. All right, Revelation chapter 6, verse 13. I'm going to get through these verses a little quickly because I really want to get to the next verse in Zechariah and just mention something before we're done tonight. So look with me in the 
book of Revelation, chapter 6, and look at verse 13, verse 12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth, the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bond man and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Now, look at uh, chapter 8 and verse 12. Revelation chapter 8 and verse 12. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars. So the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. So what happens, and if you'll notice that this is the beginning, do you see that, how this is the beginning of the tribulation period? It moves to the middle of the tribulation. So all through that time, all do you think maybe they're going to explain it with global warming or climate change? Or they'll say that a meteor hit the earth and now we're going to have the next great ice age. I mean, you see all that being prepared right now. Now, we don't know when, the Christ, when Christ is coming back. It could be another 500 years. But it sure looks like everybody's preparing for it. It's fascinating to see it. So all through that period, the stars of the heavens are falling and moving around. And just the, all of the constellations are being moved. But when Jesus Christ returns, that's when the sun ceases to shine. Now, go back. I want you to see something that you might not have noticed. Look at verse... Uh, Seven. So Zechariah 14 and verse 7. But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord. Not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. Now, what's going on with that? A couple of things. It is identifying that the, that the regular time cycle that people would have noticed, known, it's, you don't know whether it's day or night. Okay? That, that's, can you see that that's what's being spoken of there? But there's more than that to this. This return, the valley opening, Jesus Christ entering the kingdom, the stars falling, the destroying of the enemies of God, all of that happens in one day. This is not something that's drawn out over a long period of time. It all takes place just like that. There's a book about uh, World War II, about the D-Day invasion, called The Longest Day by Cornelius Ryan. Have you all read that? If you haven't read it, it's just a great book. You ought to read it. I know some of you say, well, I watched the movie. But uh, the book is really good. But it's really interesting when you think about all of these prophecies about that day. And I think this morning I misspoke. I think I said there's only one day God cares about. I think that's the statement I made. That's not the right statement. The right statement is there's one day he cares about more than any other. And that is the day that Jesus Christ enters into Jerusalem 
and sits on his throne, the throne of David, and receives the glory that's due his name. And he'll receive that glory for a thousand years. A thousand years. Think about how long that is. Going all the way back. A couple of weeks ago, I Googled that. I said, what was going on in 1000 AD? What was happening? Do you know what it said? The impeachment trial. No. <laughs> just, you know what it said? Man, it starts listing all of these obscure things that none of us would know anything about. A few things, you know, a few things. The Battle of Hastings, 1066, you know, Norman, the, 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 the Norman Conquest and all of those things, William the Conqueror. You know, you see all those things that we have heard of. But not much, unless you're a historian, you wouldn't know much of what's going on in 1000 AD. That's how long Jesus Christ rules and reigns in perfect righteousness and receives the glory that's due his name. Praise the Lord for that. That's the day that we're looking for. Amen. Now we're going to have fun this evening. You know, we're going to go over to the the epic party and it'll be epic because we're there. Yeah. But we're going to go watch the football game and we're going to have a good time with that. And it's fun. I look forward to that. I'm always bummed when football season's over. Of course, as a bears fan, that's about three months ago, (laughs) but it's fun to enjoy those things. But even in that, man, let's keep all this stuff in its proper perspective. Amen. What are we supposed to be looking for that day? We're supposed to be looking for that day. We're not supposed to be entangled with the affairs of this life. We have to recognize that we are not really citizens of this world. We're pilgrims. We're strangers. We're just passing through. We, we have a city whose builder and maker is God. We have here no continuing city. So when we look at all this information, and man, we, how long have we been in Zechariah? We started it, I don't know, seven years ago, took a break got back. We're almost finished. But when we look at all of this stuff about the return of Christ, let's not be flippant about it. How many of you have noticed there's more information in there about these, there's more details than you ever imagined. Seriously, more details than you ever dreamed. Well, those are things that we ought to know then because repetition in the Bible is God's volume control. So let's just lift our heads. Let's make sure that we're, we're not walking around stuck in this world, but we're lifting our heads and thinking about eternity. Amen? Let's all stand together. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the opportunity to know that we have eternal life based on your finished work on the cross.